0: Hi everyone, welcome to the AdSet podcast, supporting you, supporting students. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this recording is taking place. This podcast is the sixth from our series of bite-sized sessions, 12-12, to help you recharge. This session, Permission to be Human, teaches you how to become more comfortable with uncomfortable emotions and the messages they have for us. Make sure you check out our show notes for links to the session recording and presentation slides. Enjoy.
1: What happens when we don't experience positive emotions all the time? And um, if you've joined us for the last few weeks, you know that positive emotions are really important for our well-being. It just kind of makes sense that they are. but just sometimes life's so full of kind of frustrations and hurt or boredom or self-doubt, rejection, failure, loss. So they're just an inevitable part of life. So what happens with those kind of um, emotions? It's actually not possible to be Happy all the time—it's um, not possible. It's not realistic. And it's those painful or difficult emotions are just such a, a, a part of our life. But rather than think that there's something wrong with us, it actually, we need to give ourselves permission to experience some time—not um, all the time. Like there's a little bit of debate about how much positive emotions versus negative emotions that we can get through in order to feel happy or just look after our well-being. And the thinking is around about that 80-20, and it's always a good rule of thumb anyway, that 80-20. Um, so if we can kind of aim for that, um, rather than think that we have to get 100% of kind of really feeling great all the time. Um, and imagine if you could, you just end up driving everyone around you crazy anyway. Um so Tao Ben-Shahara, I really love his phrase, it's like giving ourselves permission to be human, giving ourselves permission just to feel down sometimes um, and know that you know nothing's wrong, we're not broken, we can still look after our well-being and have those times that we're feeling down. Um, and in fact, and this is work from Robert Biswas-Diner who talks about when we're comfortable with a whole range of our emotions, both the comfortable ones and the uncomfortable ones or the negative ones or the and the positive ones, um, that we actually have a deeper sense of well-being, that we're better learners, that we become more successful in whatever we choose to do. Um, So rather than trying to brush those negative or uncomfortable emotions aside, that we actually learn to kind of see them as part of the experience of being human and he talks a bit like it's like camping so when you go camping you know you might be sleeping on the uncomfortable mattress and you know your food might not be cooked so well and you might be exhausted after a day of hiking but that's part of the whole experience of camping and you accept that you accept that for that great experience of being outdoors and and achieving when you do your walk at the end of your um Trek of the day um, as part of the whole experience. So experiencing um, those uncomfortable emotions is part of being whole. And if camping's not your thing, I actually experience lots of uncomfortable emotions when I'm camping. It might be something else that you do. It might be going to the gym and you experience that bit of uncomfort. Or it might be cooking, trying a new recipe, and there's a whole lot of difficult and uncomfortable emotions in that. Or it might be like me, kind of setting up my new workstation, getting a new desk up. There was a whole lot of difficult emotions um, and physical strains with that. But it's just part of kind of being whole and know that in that Order to get that um, overall feeling of accomplishment that this part of life. And it's really so, rather than think I'm broken, it's not fair, you know, I, why can't I be happy? I'm not happy all the time. It's just part of being human and it's giving ourselves permission to be that. So, Robert Biswas Diner also says that we need that physical um, or oh, psychological agility. So, when I use the word agility, what comes to mind? If you want to put it in chat, what comes to mind when you when I use the word agility? Is there a picture that you can see or words that come to mind? Flexibility, yeah, adapt to change, quick to react. So a lot of kind of you know agility, flexibility, a quickly. I'm able to adapt, pivot. And I see um, a gymnast, you know, with that whole lot of agility that they can go on those balanced um, bars, balance beams. They can do some cartwheels in the air. The whole flexibility um, and can stretch and bend in all sorts of ways. So if we think of our emotions like that too, so when we're um, um, emotionally agile, that we know that our difficult emotions are part of who we are, and rather than kind of lean away from them, that we, um, and and also rather than become worried that we're worried, we become anxious that we're anxious, or we become stressed that we're stressed, we just know um, they're part of who we are, and we see them as data and not as directives. So, we see them as a message that um, we might need to take action on something or something that we care about, is at stake, um, rather than think we've got to take action. Um, So, they're not facts. They're just really kind of data that we can use. So, for example, um, when someone might undermine you in a meeting, um, if you're kind of really rigid, that you might clam up or lash out at them. Or if someone brings up a problem about something that you've done, you know, you mightn't have got a talk right or you mightn't have done a spreadsheet right. If you're emotionally rigid, you can quickly change the subject because you don't want to go there. You don't want to lean into those uncomfortable emotions. Um, Or if you get a difficult medical diagnosis, you can do all sorts of magical thinking and wish it away. so that's what rigidity looks like, and you, you react. We go into these automatic reactions um, rather than taking the time and responding about who do we want to be, what do we want to do. So think about that flexibility and that adapting to change. And as some, and some of you might know. Um, Viktor Frankl who has said lots about this kind of stuff and Viktor Frankl was a prisoner in a Nazi war camp during World War II and he talked about what is one of his favourite kind of insights is that between stimulus and response there is a space. There's always a space between something that happens and how we respond and in that space is our power to choose our response and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So often rather well rather than reacting, we can use that space between what happens and how we respond to choose our response. And and being emotionally agile requires us to intentionally seize that space and make a choice. Um, And it helps us respond and not react. Parts of um, emotional agility, and this is work from Susan David. Um, so we show up to all those emotions and we look at them as data. What information are they giving us? What's it asking of us? So I want you now to think of something difficult that's happened recently in your life. Not too hard, you know, if you're kind of looking at difficulty, no more than a five out of 10. But something that's happened to you lately could be a family tension, it could have been miscommunication at work, it could have been a bit of a conflict, it could have been something that just didn't go as well as you'd want. Um, And I want you to try and name as specifically as possible the emotions. Now, you don't have to share this in chat. I just want you to reflect on it just for a couple of seconds, because that's all we have at our 12 at 12. Name your emotions as specifically as you can. And there's this great saying called name and tame. If you name those emotions specifically, um, you're more likely to tame them. So that's the first step, that just showing up to all those emotions and name them. So once you've named your emotion, um, often we say I am, I am anxious, or I was anxious. But the thing is that we're more than that. We're just, we're not anxious. We might be, it might be part of us, but it's not our entirety. So then stepping out is that next step, creating a bit of a distance between your, and your emotions so you're more likely to see them as data. So instead of saying, think, thinking back to um, the emotions that you felt in that difficult situation, think then I am noticing or I'm noticing that I was feeling bit of anxiety, I noticed that I was feeling stressed, I noticed that I was feeling frustrated. So just that change of saying I was frustrated to saying I am noticing that I was feeling frustrated gives you a little bit of um, of space between you and that emotion um, and, and you're more likely to see it as data. And and specifically, when you can talk about stress in really nuanced ways by naming up those different emotions that you experience as part of that stress, it, it starts to activate your brain to take action. And I think we covered that before when we looked at stress. And then what you do is you choose. You choose your response. So how do you choose it? You just base it on your values. So what matters most to me in this situation? What might be a helpful way to respond? What relationships do I want to build? How do I want to show up and be? So I just want to um, close by giving you a couple of little bits more information is that um, it can be helpful also to know that studies suggest that most of us are actually wired for resilience. This is a lot of studies by a guy called George Bonaro that most of us bounce back up to six months. So if we're experiencing really difficult emotions, that most of us will naturally bounce back. Um, it won't last forever. The effects won't last forever. So, you know, what, what um, yeah, it doesn't have to weaken us forever. We can bounce back. And while most of us, like 65 75% bounce back between, um, after six months, another 15% of us bounce back in another few months after that. And there's just a small percentage of us that need some external help that we, when we get stuck. And some of us not only bounce back, but bounce forward. So we come through it in some way better can be hard to know at the time, but if you keep thinking when you're going through these difficulties, how can I get through this better than before? And there's the beauty, it reminds me of that beautiful art of um, precious scars. The Japanese um, terminology for it is kintsugi, which means golden joinery that sometimes when we crack and we come out and we put ourselves together, that there is beauty in that, that we are that we are stronger in some way, that we are wiser in strong some way. We might be more compassionate in some way um, and more beautiful in some way. Um, so, you know, it's bouncing forward and thinking, how am I a better person for what happened to me? Not that we never wanted it to happen, in the first place nor would we want to happen again but because it happened because we experienced that really difficult time that I have come out of it in some way more better and there could be lots of people that you know in your life that have come through things some way better and that's all because I've
0: ran out of time We just wanted to thank you again for listening to our podcast. If you are loving our podcast, please subscribe to our channel so you can keep up to date with our latest episodes. We would also appreciate it if you could leave us a review. If you are after more great content, you can head over to our socials and website www.adcet.edu.au.